Thank you uh, for sharing. Thank you for uh, joining me on this journey through this book. Um, for me, personally, the main thing that God has pressed deeper into me is just generally my understanding of God's godness. That he is really, really godlike. That he is big and he is powerful and it is all about him. And he has all the rights, and yet he is loving. And the main thrust of history is what he's doing, not what we're doing. It's just been very humbling to me, um, but in a really good way, a very joyful way. Um, I think he's helping me to trust him better through this study, which is very important for me, um, because as I've shared with you before, like many of you, I tend to get anxious. I know that's shocking to you. in fact, full disclosure, I'm anxious right now because this passage that we're going to study today has given me the hardest time. And we have worked through some really, really hard passages of Scripture. And this is the one where it opens up and it's just praise about how awesome God is. And for some reason, I just have not been able to get clarity on this. You know, usually I, I work on a sermon all week. By Friday, it basically has come together, and then the, re- the rest of the weekend is just chipping away um, the unnecessary stuff and trying to simplify it and get it honed in. And this week, I did everything like normal. By Friday, it had not come together. And the process over the weekend, it just it's sorted together. I don't know. It's like, it's like this passage is just too big. It's only a couple of verses. They're not difficult to understand. They're pretty straightforward. And it's like it's just too big. But we're going to try it. We're going to read it. God is going to speak to us through it. And uh, I'm just going to do my best to simply sort of flesh it out. And then we're going to pray together, and that'll be, that'll be it. So I want to pray now before we begin, because we really need God's help. I need God's help to try to serve you well. And we need God's help for him to, through his Holy Spirit, make this passage come to life in us. This is one of the most beautiful, most grand and majestic passages in all of Scripture. It's Romans 11, starting at verse 33, if you want to find it in your Bibles. And we'll have it up on PowerPoint as well in just a moment. Um, It's like we've been climbing this steep mountain, and we're at the top now, and we're going to take our breath and sort of look out over the scenery and just look back at this God that we worship and how awesome he is. So here's the big idea before we read, before we pray. The big idea of this passage we're going to read. What God has, what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do through Jesus Christ is the deepest display of glory that the world has ever seen. There is nothing more grand, more deeply glorious than what God has done is doing, will do through Jesus Christ. There is no greater subject that we could apply ourselves to, to try to comprehend, to try to understand. So we're going to see in this passage how uh, deeply rich and wise and knowing God is and what he's done through Jesus as we sort of look back on what we've studied. Um, And I want to tell you why it matters. I really believe that the, the root of the human problem 
is that we don't worship God. Down at the roots of our struggle is that we just don't really worship God. We worship lesser gods. We worship lowercase g gods and not the one true God. I believe that's what's down deepest at the roots of our emotional struggles, our relational struggles, misplaced worship. It's like we have a $100 bill over here and we have a Monopoly dollar bill over there. If we would go toward this $100 bill, we would find real value, real worth, real substance. But we're always tempted to go toward the little fake Monopoly dollar. We're always tempted to turn toward other things other than the real, the true God to apply our worship to, our trust, to seek with our minds, to seek with our hearts. So I'm hoping that this morning, as a result of all our work, God will just recalibrate our hearts and reposition himself in his proper place in our hearts as God. So let's read this passage together and then pray together. If you would... If you're able, stand with me as an expression of honor as we read God's word, beginning at Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory now. Please help us to see into the depths of your riches and your wisdom and your knowledge and your judgments and your ways this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, for the summer, we had a YMCA membership. One of the big pluses for us was that they have a pool area for the kids. And that's when we go to the pool at the YMCA, we go to the kiddie pool area. We don't go to the big pool area. Have you guys been in a kiddie pool at all recently? No. Okay. Another well-chosen illustration that no one can relate to. Good work. (laughs) When you go to the kiddie pool, the water's about this deep. Okay? So there's no diving in the kiddie pool. You're not doing the backstroke or the butterfly thing. You're standing about this deep. In the kiddie pool. Or if you're like me and you're sun phobic, you're laying down trying to get as much of yourself under the water as possible so you won't be scalded by the sun. Now, contrast that with the ocean. The ocean in places is so deep, we don't even really know what's down there. You know, light can't even penetrate to get that deep. The pressure is too great. That's the difference between worldly riches, worldly wisdom, worldly knowledge and the riches, wisdom, knowledge of God. So, if you are mainly familiar with the riches, wisdom, knowledge of the world, and I'm talking self-help books, Oprah, whatever, whatever people look to for 
wisdom and knowledge and rich life, you know, the magazines, you're standing about this deep in true wealth, true wisdom, true knowledge. See, what we want to do is dive in to the ocean of God and see the real depths. Now, I, I think that most of you, you've been here through most of our study of Romans, so you've been you know, dabbling in the ocean. I want to make sure that you're not just snorkeling in the ocean, you know, staying on the surface, but that you've got your diving gear on and you're ready to go down into the depths and to really explore God because that's where it's really at. That's what we really have access to, depth. Depth of riches, depth of wisdom, depth of knowledge, most clearly expressed through Jesus Christ and what God has done through him. So let's talk about these things, riches, wisdom, and knowledge. Riches. Do you guys feel rich? Just think to yourselves. Do you think Paul's talking about monetary riches, material riches, nice houses, that kind of thing? No, Paul is definitely not talking about material riches. When he refers to the riches of God, he's talking about spiritual riches. Specifically, how rich God is with mercy and grace toward us through Jesus. I want to prove that to you from the Bible. This is how he always uses the word riches. In Romans 2.4, he said, Or do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So there, Paul is saying God is rich in kindness and forbearance and patience, trying to get you to repent. Romans 10.12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Has he bestowed a lot of material wealth on his people throughout history? Not really. He's bestowed a wealth of grace and peace and, and not peace, patience and kindness on his people. One more, Philippians 4.19. This is another one of Paul's letters. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches. Riches in financial stuff? No, he says, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So the riches Paul have, has in mind is always the riches that we receive from Jesus Christ. Namely, forgiveness and cleansing from our sins, acceptance through him. Wisdom. Has anyone in here, don't be embarrassed to admit it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, what's he going to say? Has anyone in here recently read what would be classified as a self-help book? This would be anything in the self-help section of the library or the bookstore. Could have to do with diet. Could have to do with money, career. Anybody? Okay, a couple of people. Some of you are like, what's he going to say about this? The self-help book industry is massive. There's a lot of money to be made in writing a well-received self-help book. Do you think that they're effective? The research indicates no. They're not effective hardly at all. So some of us have read self-help books. I certainly have. Ask yourself, have you been any better off for it? 
And the reason I turn to self-help books is because that's one of the areas where we see the world's wisdom most clearly displayed. I got three of the top-selling, I said three, three <laughs> of the top-selling self-help books on Amazon.com. See if you've heard of any of these. One of them's called The Alchemist. This is one of those that's told as a story. Here's a, a blurb from the back. The Alchemist teaches us, as only a few stories have done, about the essential wisdom of listening to our hearts, learning to read the omens strewn along life's path, and above all, following our dreams. This is the height of worldly wisdom. It's like right there. See, God's wisdom says, your heart is desperately wicked. Allow him to give you a new heart. God's wisdom doesn't say, try to figure out the omens strewn along the way. It says, don't read the omens, read this. I gave you everything you need to know. God's wisdom doesn't say, follow your dreams. It says through Jesus, come follow me. Another one. This one's called The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom. Here's a blurb from the back of its book. Rooted in traditional Toltec wisdom beliefs, four agreements in life are essential steps on the path to personal freedom. As beliefs are transformed through maintaining these agreements, shamanic teacher and healer Don Miguel Ruiz asserts lives will become filled with grace, peace, and unconditional love. If you follow these four agreements based in ancient Toltec wisdom, your life will be filled. It will be filled with grace, peace, and unconditional love. Sounds great. I'm going to help myself to this. What are the four agreements? One, be impeccable with your words. Two, don't take anything personally. Three, don't make assumptions. And four, always do your best. Are you filled with peace and grace and unconditional love yet? No? Try it again. This is, I mean, this is what is selling big out there as the people without Christ are scrambling for some wisdom about how to live their life. They know they want peace. They know they want grace. And they know they want unconditional love. So they're stumbling around in the kiddie pool looking for it. And this is some of the best that, that we can do without Jesus. Be impeccable with our words. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. Shallow. Last one. You've heard of this one. The secret. I've seen this one everywhere, Walmart, all over the place. Back of its book cover, you'll begin to understand the hidden, untapped power that's within you. And this revelation can bring joy to every aspect of your life. The secret contains wisdom from modern-day teachers, men and women who have used it to achieve health, wealth, and happiness. So the secret... The revelation that will bring joy to every aspect of your life, according to this, the best of our worldly wisdom, 
is to untap the power that resides in you. Have any of you found that kind of power inside yourselves? No, that's the whole problem. That's why people are reaching out to self-help books. They know they don't have it in them. And the wisdom of God says, you don't have the power in you. Come to me. I have the power. We don't need four agreements to be filled with grace, peace, and unconditional love. God says, come to me. I've made all the agreements. I will give it to you through Jesus. See, if we will meditate and think deeply about what God has done and is doing and will do through Jesus Christ, we will become wiser than all our teachers in the world because all they have to work with is the shallows of a kiddie pool. And we have the ocean of God. Knowledge. Don't answer this one out loud either, and don't think about specific people. Think generally. Do you think people in general are smart? I said don't answer, Alan. I know what Ben thinks now. Do you think people are intellectually deep? Just speaking generally. The people you run into, the people in front of you, behind you in line at Walmart. Are we, as humanity, generally speaking, intellectually deep? Well, we should be if information has anything to do with it. Because we have more access to information now than ever in the history of the universe. In 1995, there were about 15,000 websites. Now there's over 350 million. We think. I don't even think they know. It's sort of like trying to figure out how many stars there are. It keeps growing every second of the day. And we have all of that information in our pockets with our smartphones. Literacy is up from where it was. College educations are almost assumed now in America. Like high school used to be looked at, college is now looked at as sort of an assumption. Most kids are going to go somewhere. And yet all this information has not necessarily translated into a very knowledgeable people. And that's because riches apart from God only lead to poverty. Wisdom apart from God only leads to foolishness. And information apart from God only leads to more ignorance. See, what we have access to here and what we've been studying, we are learning the heart and mind of God. And it's amazing. And it's deep. So, please don't pursue riches and wisdom and knowledge apart from God. And I know that many of us need... Let's just pick wisdom for right now. I know many of you are struggling with very complicated matters related to your family or your finances. You need wisdom. Deep wisdom is found where? In God. Deep riches is found in God. Deep knowledge is found in God. Now, I found one thing that struck me as I studied this. These three ideas, riches, wisdom, knowledge. Paul often brought those three together when he talked about Jesus. I want to read to you just three other passages where he brought these three ideas together as he talked about Jesus. Because I think there's something to this. 
So we just read one in Romans, and here in Colossians 2, 1 through 3, I have it typed up, so don't try to keep up with me finding it necessarily. Colossians 2, 1 through 3, Paul wrote, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Last one, Ephesians 3, 8 through 10. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The reason I wanted to read those to you is to drive that same nail deeper. It is all about Jesus. The closer we get to Jesus in our thinking and in our hearts, the closer we get to true riches, true wisdom, true knowledge. The further we stray from Jesus in our thinking and our hearts, the closer we get to true poverty, true foolishness, and true ignorance. So where are you? Where is your mind through the week? Where do you go to seek for richness of life, for the wisdom you need to live, for the knowledge, the way to think about things? Don't go to the shallows of the world. Seek God. And to be real practical, what I mean by seek God And this is for me, too. Just start with praying. Even right now. Just pray, God, help me to seek you. Reveal yourself to me. Get into his word and search and study. Put on your diving gear and dive in. This is glorious what we have access to. So for the rest of this passage, he just further reinforces how deep the riches of God are. All the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. The way God thinks and the things God God does, we can't fully understand it. We can't fully search it out. I received a Facebook message this week from someone who went to my home church, Trinity Baptist Church out in Monroe, and her grandson, who's now 17, which I can't believe, I haven't seen him since he was probably seven, is really wrestling with something about God, and maybe you've wrestled with this too. 
He's trying to figure out, if God already knows everything, why do I have to do my best? So he's 17, so I'm thinking this probably has some connection to school. Why even bother doing my best? God already knows what's going to happen. It's already decided. So she Facebooked me, I guess maybe because she's seen on Facebook that we've been studying Romans, thinking I just had like a good answer for that. I could just send off a five-word answer because of this. Case closed. And I sat down and thought about it, and I thought back, and I remembered, you know, we've talked about this through Romans. I looked back, and I was struck again by the fact that God doesn't even really try to explain it. There's so many places in Romans where he could just say, here's how it works. I'm completely sovereign. You're completely free. Here's how they're both realities at the same time. There you go. Now you know. But he doesn't. Instead, he just asserts it and leaves it. I'm sovereign. You're free. Period. It seems to me it's more important that we accept it than we understand it fully. And I think part of the reason for that is we're not going to be capable of understanding God fully. I've told you before, I really think eternity in heaven is going to be an eternal unfolding of more and more of God's glory and his intricacies. When we think about those things, how can he be sovereign and us be free? I think we're starting to come up, bump up against that threshold of where we can't quite fully grasp it all about God. So for some people, that might make them think, well, this is a crock then. If you can't explain it to me, then I'm not going to believe it. But we don't worship a God that we can contain fully in our little you know, three, four-pound hunk of flesh brains. If we could, he wouldn't really be that majestic and worthy of our worship, would he? He's deeper than that. He goes on, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given him a gift to him that he might be repaid? In other words, nobody's fully known God's mind. Nobody's ever given him counsel about anything. Nobody's ever given him a gift. He is God. And then he brings it home in verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. All things are from God. All things are through God. All things are to God. God is the originator of all things. He is the means of all things. He is the end of all things. Your life is about God. This church is about God. Your pain is about God. Your loss is about God. Your triumphs are about God. Your family is about God. Your work is about God. Your retirement is about God. All things are from him and through him and to him. I recently got to teach on this to a group of people, and I had better preparation, I guess, because I didn't do this for you guys, but I had PowerPoint, and I had movie posters on there. And you know, of course, you don't watch movies, but you've seen movie posters. 
typically there'll be a big image of the main character of the movie. And then maybe some supporting characters in the background, the name of the movie. See, we think that if our lives were a movie and they made a movie poster of it, it would be us standing there in the foreground as the main character. But the Bible teaches no. God is the main character of your life. God is the main character of all reality. And this is a hard fact to grasp. But I have a supporting role in my own life. You have a supporting role in your own life. God is the hero of this story. And God is the hero of your story. If we can get that dramatic recalibration of thinking in place, then it'll unlock all that stuff, those self-help books we're trying to unlock for us. Then we can say with Paul, to him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do want you to receive all glory for all things. We confess uh, together with one mind that it is all about you. You are God. You are the creator. We are the created. Help us. Help us to dive down deep and explore the depths of you and who you are. Help us to experiences to experience your riches and your wisdom and your knowledge. Help us to look into the things that you have done and are doing and will do through Jesus Christ and to be captivated by those things. To be swept up out of our day-to-day lives into your glory, into worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.